Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where generally we explore the digital revolution that's taking place today. But these days, we're also exploring the revolution that's come across all of our lives, how we live, how we work, how we're trying to move forward, and what we're going to see over the next few months uh, as things change back somewhat, at least, to like they've been before. So we are uh, really delighted, as always, to have one of our regular digital all-star guest, Tony Uphoff, who's the CEO of Thomas, which is the parent company of ThomasNet. Tony, over the last few years, has led Thomas through its own digital transformation and now provides a data platform connecting buyers and sellers in the industrial markets. Tony's got a storied career in media. He's been a, a blogger. They're doing their own podcasts now. Got some great, great insights into what's going on in the industrial markets and the manufacturing markets. Hey, Tony. Great to have you. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Bob. Uh, great to see you and uh, and hear your voice, my friend. Thanks. And I, I hope uh, everybody with uh, you and your crew at home and at work, everybody's doing okay. All, all good. And I hope the same for you and your family, Bob. Thanks. Very much, Tony. Um, so <clears throat> crazy times that we're in here. And I know um, you've got some interesting things that have gone on at Thomas. And You've had a chance over some previous episodes to mention a little bit, but given this, uh, you know, we toss around the word unprecedented. This is <laughs> unprecedented. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what the last month or so has been like for your company and some of the pretty wild things you're doing. Yeah, you know, it is crazy, Bob. And I think the last time we talked, I, I, I think I referenced, I, I've maybe used the term unprecedented half a dozen times over the last 20 years. I now use it half a dozen <laughs> times every hour. You know, it's just an amazing, uh, an amazing time. You know, like many companies, we, we made the decision uh, in the, you know, coming into the middle of March, we actually made it on Thursday the 12th to make a full pivot to all remote work for about 350 employees spread across two locations. One, the, the largest one is in New York City and then out in Horsham, Pennsylvania, a couple hours outside of New York City. And as, as I joked with you before we got going, you know, they should fire my ass if as the CEO of a data platform and internet company, I couldn't do this. So it's one thing though, to model it out and another thing to actually do it and see it happen. And, and I have to tell you, okay, tell you just a couple of interesting experiences from it. The first step was how smoothly it went. You know, I kind of held my breath for 24 to 48 hours, but literally from every function of the business, I was just thrilled with how prepared we were to do something like this and not because we were prepared to go remote. I think a lot of it was the experience we've had as a technology centric company that put us in the position where we could make a move like this. And um, boy, you don't, you don't know, you know, the, the example I gave to somebody was there's a, there's a trick that a lot of uh, personal trainers do and they'll train you for, let's say a year. And then they'll, they'll say something casual, like, uh, Hey Bob, why don't, you know, why don't we just set the iPhone timer here for five minutes? Let's just see how many pushups you can do in five minutes. And, uh, oh, by the way, you know, your goal is to do 100 in five minutes. And so the first time this happens to you, literally in your brain, you start laughing internally, thinking These, this you know, person's out of their mind. And you probably hit 80 or 90. You think, holy smokes. And then the next time you try it, you hit 100. And then maybe you even go over 100. Well, it's not that on that moment in time, you could do 100 push-ups in five minutes. It's the work you put in over the year and a half before that. That's really the trick to it. And so... I was thrilled that the work we put in put us in a good position. I, I was sharing with you uh, and your producer before we went on, um, 
it's it just a great anecdote. We have a, a an executive committee that's made up of the, the two uh, grandsons of the original founder of our company, Harvey Mark Thomas, 122 years ago. And our these two, uh, two folks that had our exec committee are probably in their late 70s. And we're on doing what you and I are doing right now. We're sharing the screen back and forth. We're on a video call. And my colleague, our CFO, Mitch Piper, took a still picture snapshot of it and sent it to me. And I'm just going to treasure this because it just, it said to me, you know, here's multiple generations, but it, it was just intuitive. And I thought how proud their grandfather would be with the legacy of his company and that, you know, using blazing modern technology today, we're not only able to make a transition like this, but, but to a certain extent, I, I think we're, we're, we're thriving through, uh, through an environment like this. So it's, it's really been remarkable. Tony, the, we've, we've had some interesting uh, conversations recently. A guy yesterday was talking about uh, resiliency and readiness and the combination of those, the power of culture and so on like that. So, uh, you know, with ThomasNet, you've got this fantastic data platform, but I think one of the things that's come up recently that you've developed here as well is something you've called the Coronavirus Resource Hub. Tell us a little bit about that and what's been the response? Shortly after, um, well, let me back up to go forward. So this was actually technically before we uh, moved to remote work. We started to see late fourth quarter, early first quarter, what we consider to be asymmetric sourcing on the platform. And you and I have touched on this before, Bob. You know, we, we get now upwards of 80,000 sourcing sessions per day. So we could see the sourcing sessions lift, but they were very acutely focused around what, what the world now knows of as PPE, personal protection equipment. But it was not just masks. It was everything down the long tail, including respirators. And a lot of it was coming out of China. Now, we know enough about sourcing that we know that 80 plus percent of most PPE, particularly things like hospital gowns, masks, and uh, gloves come out of a, uh, a region in China is, it, that's very close to Wuhan. So as we started to hear about the coronavirus, we realized, okay, that supply chain has clearly been disrupted, but then we could see it moving around. So we pretty quickly realized the PPE supply chain is gonna be devastated. And it, it, it is a supply chain that has, for, through history, let me define history as the last 50 years, pretty predictable. You know, it doesn't, move, it doesn't swing by 20, 30% in demand in any given point in time. And so we realized pretty fast that, that there was gonna be a, a real problem here. So one of the things that we did, and this was then now shortly after we went to remote work, I get a call on Friday night from our chief technology officer and he said, hey, do you have time for a quick video call with our uh, chief designer? And I said, yeah, sure. We get on the call. And the designer had mocked up a coronavirus resource hub. And, and the vision was, hey, let's um, not just showcase the PPE suppliers that are already on the platform. We had thousands of them. Let's actually rally the manufacturing community, of which we were getting hundreds, if not thousands, of reach, uh, you know, uh, companies reaching out saying, I could dedicate a shift to this. Um, I could dedicate capacity to produce PPE, but I, I'm not known as a PPE supplier. So we stood up this resource hub to help companies understand how to manage through this, this uh, pandemic, but also uh, it, we put out a call uh, for entries, if you will. And to date, Bob, we've had nearly 1,800 companies register. We've validated them. 
We have created a COVID-19 response supplier badge that's both in the filtering system that a, a hospital or an organization doing this sourcing for critical equipment could have access to, and then also on the supplier profile. And we have just so many stories that just bring tears to your eyes of these companies. You know, we have four or five companies that said, hey, I was going to have to shut down for the foreseeable future. And I, I, I can keep my shifts running because you guys allowed me to, to produce, you know, PPE equipment and connect me with people that were sourcing. We've heard from hospitals and organizations and city and state governments and all kinds of institutions that have found incremental suppliers and, and uh, supply that way. So that was one of those just moments where I think two things came together there. One was, again, I touch on this idea of all the work we've put in over the last several years, we were able to stand up that resource hub, but also integrate it into the daily sourcing opportunity that you can use on ThomasNet. We did it in 48 hours, Bob. And, and honest to God, when I joined the company three years ago, if you had told me, right, I never, no way. Tony, you know, what's wild about this, uh, you and I have known each other for a while. And I think sometimes, right, what you said at the beginning, entirely true, you know, the head of a data platform, the CEO of a data platform company, if you couldn't make this move pretty quick, fire your ass. And you look at it another way. And I think in some ways, what we are seeing, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, if I'm gonna embarrass you here on video, I don't mean to, but we're seeing <laughs> wouldn't people, be the first time, unfortunately. <laughs> we're seeing and teams rise to things. I don't yeah. mean that I don't think they thought were possible, but that were unexpected. Um, I think this is for all the misery and the agony, the heartbreak and the tragedy that's occurred over the last several weeks. What we're seeing in many parts of the society, the economy, captured, I think, partly by what you're talking about, four or five companies, say it was one, let alone five, these companies, and there's people in there, you know, we hear about 22 million Americans out of work. Yeah. And you and your team, I think a representative of the very best of what's going on in the world of business here, adaptation, taking full opportunities of things, being creative, being somewhat fearless and jumping into opportunities, yeah. making the future what it could be instead of you know, sitting back and perhaps somewhat understandably saying, well, you know, there's nothing I can do. You know, I'm a trap. I'm a victim here. It's got to be awfully exhilarating for you and the team. It, it is, Bob, and I appreciate you noting it. I think, you know, my colleague Rita Lieberman, who, who helps us with the prep for these podcasts, was commenting before we got going that, you know, that, that first day was, was, was kind of you know, a, a little bit, uh, you know, anxiety producing. And then it was exhilarating because I think what you saw was everybody, everybody bought in, you know, nobody held back, nobody, nobody, um, no sit, no function of the company. And then literally, I, I'm just blown away by everybody, not only pulling their weight, but more. And I think what it also did, which I don't know how to explain, Bob, but I, 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 I put it into a long list of of uh, under a category I call positive forcing functions. There's an MBA mumbo jumbo term if, if I've ever come up with one. But you know what I mean by that. I think this idea of, you know, in a positive way, take action, do something, you know, take some action here. And I think what it did for us, and I would turn to the resource hub as a good example of that, that was a project that, that probably a year before that, that would have taken us probably two, three months of discussion, another two, three months of planning, 
then you get it into the roadmap. And honestly, God, that probably would have been a nine to 10 months. And we would have been thrilled thinking, hey, look at us. We did that in nine to 10 months. The fact that we did it, you know, in basically the equivalent of two days with no two people in the same room, I think what it did is it proved to every person in this company what we can actually do. And, you know, Bob, our story's been repeated. You know, think how many times this is happening across the globe right now. You know, I, I, I've talked to you many times about the remarkable resiliency and innovation in American manufacturing. And the fact that you're seeing so many of them pivot and say, I'll create capacity to serve the need right now. I will shift my business around. I will do these different things to, to heed the call. I think it's just a, an example of so many companies. And you know, you and I have talked about the big tech companies that are doing some remarkable things, but also these smaller and medium-sized companies. I think this is a moment of truth for a lot of these companies. Yeah, and, and I think then in some ways, Tony, what you know, we had chatted a little bit about beforehand, um, there, there will be, as there always is in life and business, there's going to be winners and losers. And that uh, not that the people who are not winners are, you know, capital L losers. I don't mean that, but it's just, <clears throat> these are awfully hard times that people are going through now. And if a company is able to have that sort of breakthrough that you've described to Thomas and at other companies in the way you see, you know, car companies making ventilators and yep. underwear companies making masks and gowns and those sorts of things. Well, there's a million reasons, right? You go up and down the line. We can't do this. This is too hard. This, what, what about afterward? How will we should back, you know, blah, blah, blah. What's all that stuff mean? But there's, there's a, there's a fearlessness and a courage and a creativity I think was wrapped up and look at that thing you've talked about there, not just what you're able to do, but able to do it not in nine months, but in, you know, a handful of days. It, it's remarkable. So um, I just think there's a chance over the next few months for a real renaissance, a, you know, a, a further revolution and acceleration of what we had come to think of somewhat as digital transformation. And maybe that's now too narrow a term, but yeah. it's a transformation of which digital is a part, but yeah. you've just described a lot of stuff that's digital plus, plus, plus. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, Bob, you know, look, you and I have shared um, the, the, the remarkable insights uh, from our, our mutual friend and colleague, Sean Amirati of, of, you know, he calls it the Disney Plus moment, where suddenly here's a company that's really struggled to understand digital transformation. And then what appeared to be out of nowhere, they create a, a $6 billion a year digital streaming revenue stream. And I, I think that that for many companies, and I, I, I'd like to think we would be in this category. Um, this crisis happened at a time where we, we'd gone over in a positive way, the other side of digital transformation to the whatever digital transformation leads to. Is that, is that more agility? Is that more um, technical resiliency? Is that more um, agility? You know, there's so many different things that could come from that. Or does it give you optionality, Bob, in business models and other things? Because to stand up something new or to try something new is not as expensive or as labor intensive as, as perhaps it used to be. And, and I think a lot about, you know, as a steward of this remarkable company, am I doing enough to prepare my company for the future? And you know, the reality of it is, while you, you, you tend not to think about it too often, 
there are going to be, and always have been, black swan moments, moments that you couldn't possibly have imagined. And when those moments come, I really think business leadership comes down to a very simple but powerful question, which is, can you turn this in to a benefit and can you lead your company towards that benefit or do you just close your tent? And I, I literally think it's that simple. And I think we're seeing some remarkable examples of companies that are saying, hey, I may take it, you know, I may take a hit here it, it, for a quarter. I, I may take some, uh, some, uh, some revenue, you know, uh, degradation or whatever it's going to be, but I'm going to come through this by focusing on our users, our customers, our employees in ways that's going to make us actually a stronger and a better company. Now, I would argue, Bob, the attributes of the company that companies that are able to do what you and I are talking about are not just about the leaders. I think we, we, it's a little bit like being the quarterback of a football team. You either get way too much blame or way too much credit. Mm -hmm. I, I really think a lot of it is about the work those companies, the, 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 the structures, their business models, that all the things that they've been doing through the years, that it's going to look like, oh, well, this pandemic basically, you know, pushed everybody towards this type of company or that type of company. You know, how much time is Zoom spent perfecting the technology you and I are using and coming up with, you know, being one of the pioneers on a freemium model? Well, gee, they look like geniuses now. I don't, remember too many people calling them geniuses several years ago when they were laboring under getting the thing off the ground right yeah. so I, I you know I'm, I'm I'm probably giving way too much around this but I, I really think in the in the spirit of there will be winners and there will be losers it, it does bespeak a scoreboard but you know what it, it is about that scoreboard and and I take as do all of my peers I take a tremendous responsibility that it's my job to, to bring together the talent of a company and serve customers and, and take that and be prepared for whatever happens into the future. And so I, I think those attributes are not just me, not just any leadership rah-rah speech I could ever give. I really think a lot of those are the decisions that we've made over the last several years. And then that, that's allowing us, and, and granted, look, I'm not, I'm not um, denigrating the need for leadership, but I think at times like this, people overemphasize the dramatic speech and underemphasize, hey, what have you been doing the last three or four years? You, know, <laughs> you ready for this? You up for this? You know, because a speech alone is not going to get it done. I wish it was because, man, <laughs> it would make my job a lot easier. Yeah, who's been doing those, quietly doing those 50, 60, 70 push-ups? Uh, right. So that when the call for 100 comes out, uh, all right, Yeah, I can do this. I can do this or come damn close to it uh, yeah. along the way. Tony, you had mentioned something that you, you read recently from Mark Andreessen that uh, you thought was you know very timely. Yeah, and, and Bob, I don't know if you've had a chance to spend any time with it. It, it. I think most of your listeners would know well who Mark Andreessen is. He was the creator of the modern browser at Netscape, and he uh, he uh, went on to a you know successful career as a venture capital and an investor at uh, Andreessen Horowitz. And he he on occasion will write some at times provocative, but I, I think very insightful uh, posts. And and one he wrote a few years ago got a lot of attention from people called "Software's Eating the World." And he, he really kind of was able to frame in a non-technical way some of the really remarkable things that we're seeing happening in the software world. 
And he, he wrote a post recently called It's Time to Build. And the way I interpreted it was, you know, he, he, he called out in a positive way that U.S. manufacturing has never had a higher output. And he's one of the few people that, that would actually know that. But I think he also said, you know, we focus so much of our extraordinary talent and our extraordinary abilities around a very narrow set of offerings and things. And perhaps we've neglected things like infrastructure and we've neglected some things that we could turn those same talents towards. And, and I really took it as a clarion call. I, I thought it was really kind of a cool post of um, not a political statement at all, but just a statement about an industry and, and, and a culture. And that, you know, we wanna make sure that you know, if, if we're not focused on building, and building is a company, building is what you do, building is what I do. I, I took it that way. It's not just building a building or infrastructure or roads, but I think that idea of really focusing on building something of value and that perhaps maybe one of the, um, one of the outcomes that comes from this is, is we really, uh, you know, we think more profoundly about the work that we do and, and what we're building with that work, whether it's knowledge work or it's physical manufacturing really doesn't matter. That's not the point, but are, are we building something and are, are, are we contributing something? And I, I, I was really moved by the, uh, by the post. Yeah, uh, Tony, it's interesting as you mentioned that and about building a, a very good friend of mine here in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's a cell biologist, but his real love is information technology. So he created uh, what's become, you know, uh, one of the uh, world-class uh, organizations doing this called the Center for Biologic Imaging at the mm -hmm. University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. So his team is helping with some of the uh, vaccine creation that's going on right there now at UPMC. And we were talking the other day and he said, yeah, you know, Pittsburgh was a great manufacturing hub. He said, we're going to start building uh, you know, vaccines here. He yeah. said, I I'm getting into the manufacturing business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I think I, I again, I just took it as, 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 a, um, as a directional, you know, I latched on to what I felt, what it meant to me, and, and it resonated where, yeah. you know, coming out of the, the resource hub that we built, the, the business that every day we help people build their businesses through the use of our platforms and tools. And it just, it just, it, it felt to me, I think, you know, for many of us, you, you, you labor away at a career, you, you labor away at a business and you work along and you support your family and you do all the things that you do. But every once in a while, you wonder about whether the work that we do matters. Mm -hmm. And I think his post called that into question. And I know for the employees of Thomas, boy, I think if they ever wondered whether it mattered, they don't wonder anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great proof point there. Tony, you've, uh, how do you keep the magic going, right, from what you and the team have done here? How do you keep that spirit going of, no, it's not months, it's days, it's not weeks, it's hours? Is, yeah. that, is that possible in this theory of what do we build next? Well, it's, it's a great question. And I, I, I think one of the things I've tried to do, Bob, and, I, and, and it's something I think about a lot, is being, being careful of, of running on pure adrenaline and emotion for too long. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as, as you and I both know from, you know, various experiences in life, that wears off at some point in time and you reach down for that as fuel and it's no longer there. Um, and so I, I, I'm, 
I'm careful at, at, at this stage of my career, I know better and I know how to do that better. But I also find that I try to pace myself to make sure that I'm, that I as a leader, but that also I encourage other people in the organization, focus on what you can control. You know, these are really frightening times because the, the amount of information coming at you is, is overwhelming. It's also, most of it is contradictory and just, just it, it, it's a cacophony of data and contradictory messages coming at you. So I think what I try to do for myself and for the people in the organization is, hey, focus on what you can control. So kind of self-management, you know, really takes a, a precedent there. The other thing is um, we are literally, Bob, over the last 40 days, we have been going through different things that we've been doing. And we have been um, basically doing a write-up of what's been working so that as we continue forward, we can be consciously competent about it. And, and I keep emphasizing to people like the example of building the hub or some of the new badging we developed, or there's a ton of other innovations going on. This wasn't magic. Lightning didn't strike. We weren't lucky, right? This is, this is what not only did we prepare to do it, but where you pushed yourself through whatever that barrier was, whether it was a cultural barrier, a learning barrier, a, a, a you know, technical issue, whatever it might be, go, go back and think about it after and remember it, write it down. And, and so I think, you know, again, two kind of pieces. One is self-management, I think, goes up at a time like this, the value of that, understanding how to take good care of yourself, both emotionally and physically at a time like this. I think the other thing is this idea of, hey, if, if you're doing some really cool things and it maybe feels like they're heroic, right? Heroic work doesn't scale, right? It, 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 can, it can get you a breakthrough, but let's take the, the consciously competent components of this and break it down to say, well, here's what really happened here. Here's what we did. Now, maybe the idea was heroic or the fact that we wouldn't sit on our laurels was heroic, but let's, let's um, come up with changes perhaps to process maybe organizational structure and other things. I'll give you a, a real simple um, example from this, Bob. Based on just timing of our roadmap, um, in the last 30 days, in addition to creating uh, the uh, coronavirus resource hub and all the other things that we talked about, we rolled out an all new badging system. We rolled out version 5.0 of ThomasNet. We rolled out a new business unit called Thomas Industrial Data. And oh, by the way, we, we rewired all of our financial systems and rolled out an entire new order entry system and reconfigured uh, about 450 seats of Salesforce with a partner portal and a bunch of customized features to it. Now that was all in queue. That's probably 24 months of work. And literally the night before some of that stuff went live, we're all kind of looking at each other on a video call going, do we do, do, we do this or do we not? We said, hey, we, we prepared for this. And so I think in some respects, that's also been really good because it was like, hey, do what you say you were going to do. And, and let's not use this as an excuse. It would be very easy to say, oh, wait, wait a second, this pandemic, hit. Let, whoa, 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 let's hold off. This is going to be really hard or confusing. And I, I don't think we took unnecessary risk. And it, it turned out to be absolutely the right set of decisions. So I guess I think that's the third thing. So self-management, this idea of consciously competent. But, but I think also, um, you know, make decisions. Do, don't get in. I think it's very easy at a time like this to, to fall into the trap of 
indecision. And as we all know, indecision is in and of itself a decision. And that doesn't mean sometimes a decision is, no, we're not going to step forward on that right now, or we're not going to spend that, or we're not going to, you know, uh, take that step. But, but I think those three things um, ha have helped us. And, and at times, and you can hear me doing it right now, I, you know, these are also self-reminders that, you know, I, I think my job is to at times motivate, um, at times inspire, um, at times lead from the front. But if I haven't done my job on all the other pieces, that's just, it's not gonna last. It's not really gonna have an impact. It's not really gonna, you know, um, produce anything that at, at a time when we really need to be productive. Funny, some wonderful thoughts there. Thank you. Um, I, I was thinking about uh, one of my heroes is Marie Curie, the, phys, uh, the chemist. And uh, my favorite line from her, is she says, chance favors the prepared mind. Uh, I'm sure that. some uh, jealous colleague, you know, uh, you just happened to stumble. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, the harder right. she works, the luckier she gets. Isn't you bet. that how it yeah. goes? Well, Tony, thanks. Uh, thanks for making the time here, sharing some great stories about your company, your outlook on things. And I, you know, again, not being Pollyannish about it, I, I, I think there's a lot of room these days for some optimism and a sense of for all the troubles everybody's going through these days, we're going to get through this and it's going to be a pretty wild world, pretty interesting world, pretty high opportunity world as we get through this. So thanks for sharing some great anecdotes about that. Hey, Bob, thank you. And, and I'll, I'll leave you with one to add perhaps a little bit of trend data to your, to your uh, optimism. It's very clear in the data that we look at um, that there's a wholesale reevaluation of uh, supply chains taking place, which is not a bad thing. Um, we're also seeing an acceleration of the reshoring towards North American manufacturing. I, I think there are some great benefits that will come from this. And I think there's a, a, a resiliency uh, that, that also cultural resiliency. Um, and also, I think we're learning, um, boy, isn't it amazing the stuff we can do without needing to have big fancy offices and all these other things. I, I think there's a lot of things for future conversations, but uh, I, I share your optimism. And I think certainly the data that we are able to look at with our window into the industrial economy would suggest that things are starting to lift and we're starting to see sourcing and very, uh, very tangible evidence that, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna have a little bit of turbulence here, but I think uh, we're gonna get through this. And, and I think uh, for many companies, they're gonna come out of this stronger. Yeah, Tony, it's wonderful. I, the, I... I see that happening. I, I hope for that to happen. And I think this sense of innovation and new ways of doing things for companies is great. Could I ask you for, before we go, can I ask you for a quick favor? Sure. Um, this little guy over here, he's, uh, he was given to me um, when my daughter Ella was born about 31 years ago. And he suffered some degradation in his uh, in his structure, right? And so he's sort of taken yeah. on this posture. And I, you know, you talk about some of the suppliers and the the things you've got. Do you know anybody who you know where I can get sort of a a rebuild for this guy? Well, it may take me a little while, but let me source. I think what we should do is contact some three D printers, and and if you can give me the design specs on that bad boy, oh, yeah. I, I might have it prepared in time for more. Uh, Ella's 
daughter <laughs> is born, which won't be too far down the road, my friend. No, no, no. Five, five months or so. That's fantastic. Okay. So uh, I'm not sure exactly how to get the design specs for this guy, but uh, pretty special. I'll see what I can do, but don't hold up the rest of your business waiting, you know, for me to get in here. Keep, keep things humming and uh, trying to keep up the sense of optimism and uh, uh, maybe next time, can we open up with you down on the floor doing a hundred pushups? I would be happy to. Now, bear in mind, it takes a little while. So, uh, but uh in, in, in any event, uh, and, and it's not particularly pretty, but uh, the, the productivity is there. Oh, this is great. Tony, who, you know, that we're going to get, I think, a record audience for that. That sounds good. Thank you, my friend, for uh, insightful thoughts, good, good vision on things, and some, some wonderful uh, philosophies about leadership and achievement and, uh, you know, what's possible when we sweep aside these notions of I can't do this or I can't do that. Thanks, Bob. Always great to see you. Stay safe. Thanks, Tony. You too. For all of you folks, thanks for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay generous. See you next time.